Now, um, I have got the great privilege of introducing our special guest for this evening. Um, so we've got Hank Kirsten with us, and he's a really dear friend of our church. Um, and he's also part of the leadership team of the New Ground family of churches, of which we are a part. Now, Hank was due to be with us in March, um, but we are very, very glad that we can welcome him today. Now, please bear with him. He's had a really long day of travelling. He was in Geneva this morning talking to a church in Switzerland, and now he's now he's with us here in Crawley. So um, I just, I just, yeah, give him your ears. Um, and Father God, I just pray that you'll be with Hank. Um, bless his words through your Holy Spirit, and I pray you'll bless us and give us ears to hear. Amen. Okay, over to you, Hank. Yeah, thank you, Nathan. Good evening, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you guys, uh, being with you um, this evening. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, yeah, and I, and I look so much forward to being with you. So hopefully, and we trust another day will come, yeah? So, uh, hey, I'm, I've been asked to share a word with you uh, on one of the names of God, starting with the series. Um, so let's read. I'm going to read from Exodus 17, verse 8 to 16, and then another passage from John 3, verse 13. Okay? Okay, here we go. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us man and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur helped her, helped up, held her his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it, called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And then another passage from John 3, verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that we can meet together even in a way like this. And Father, we thank you that you are present everywhere. You're the omnipresent God. And we ask you, Lord, will you be present in every room and every place, wherever we watch this or read this or hear this? Lord, will you come in your goodness and show us your way, Lord? 
that we will rally towards you, Lord, and find you to be faithful in days like this, Lord, and find you've got the answers. Lord, we ask your blessing on this time together in not only reading the word, but as we share it, Lord, that it will really hit home in our own hearts. Holy Spirit, will you lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have been asked to share this passage uh, starting on a series on the names of God. I think uh, this morning you had the introduction. And here in verse 15, Moses is building an altar to honor God and to lift up his name high. And he calls this altar with the name, the, na the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. And, uh, and just a quick recap of the earlier chapters and the beauty of them, really. Uh, we have no time to do this, but Chapter 16 gives us a story of the manna. And then chapter 17, Moses is striking the rock and water gushes out. People were thirsty and water gushes out and it gives the people to drink and now they are facing a battle. And uh, the manna illustrating Jesus Christ coming to earth. He is the living word. Uh, and the striking of the rock speaks about his death on the cross and the gushing out of water from this rock speaks about the Holy Spirit and the living, you know, the living one. And there's so much to say about this. But then Moses lifting up his hands for victory. It speaks about Jesus interceding for you and me every day, every moment of the day. He's in heaven always praying for us. And he prays for you and me right now. What a, what a fantastic thing to know and realize. But here in this passage after the water from the rock, a battle takes place with the Amalekites. And for the people of God, this was the very first time they actually landed up and, uh, in a fight. Because up till that time, God had fought the fights for them. And now God says, I will fight the fights, but I'll do it through you. And, uh, you know, the descendants of Esau, they, and fighting them illustrates really the opposition that we as God's people have in fighting the flesh. It's the, the battle against flesh and spirit. And uh, it says at the end of this chapter here in Exodus, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So there's a battle that is ongoing, never ending until Jesus returns, basically. It's amazing how Paul, and we, when I was with you <laughs> quite some time ago, um, we talked about spiritual armor and, and how Paul ends his letter to the Ephesians and says, finally, you have this spiritual armor. Um, and he uses the word finally. And after Paul had shared, he finishes and says, finally. It's not because he had come to the end of his letter or the end of his life, but he says, finally, is from now on, you are in this battle this is the outfit you have until jesus comes back you know these amalekites the strange thing is is they came as soon as they knew water was in the desert and the provision of water caused the attack and it's similar to the battle you and i face as soon as you become christian as soon as you're born again you suddenly find you're in a in a war you're in a battle and the battle is against everything of the flesh and everything of the spirit of God. And you have a choices to make every day. You and I have choices to make. And it's not 
I'm in a battle, what is wrong with me? But I'm in a battle because he wants me to go strong in him. It's not what did I do wrong, but how do I grow strong? And even over this season, with all the questions and all the challenges, let me encourage you, let me challenge you, win a few battles. Or rather, with the help of the Holy Spirit, win them all. <laughs> I'd love to win all the battles. Uh, the battle here in Exodus was not only won, but it revealed God's name in the battle. He is Jehovah Nissi. And, and Proverbs 18 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they're safe. You know, there's no better place to run to these days than run to the name of the Lord and be safe. The Lord is our banner. And a banner is a, a gathering point. You know, you rally towards, a, uh, when you're in battle, you rally towards that. You gather for action or you gather for instruction. And yes, here, Joshua is in the valley and he's fighting and Moses on the hill and he's lifting his hands. It all has to do with prayer and intercession, very much on what you've done over this whole week of prayer. The most important thing here, though, is not the picture of a Moses and a Joshua, but the most important thing here is, is the revelation of the character of God in the battle. It says in Isaiah 5, verse 26, God will raise a signal for nations far away and whistle for them to the ends of the earth. God whistles for you. It just reminded me today, really, about the whistle that um, that we used when the kids were young. I had a, a whistle, and uh, if we're in a, a busy street or the kids have run too far ahead or they were in different shops, I would just whistle. And they hear, heard the whistle, and they came out. You see them everywhere. I think uh, it's not that we have so many kids. We've got four, but enough to call them together at times. It was like a rallying point. And the Lord whistles us, he rallies us to him. Isaiah 11 verse 10 says that in that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. And God is revealing himself here. And this battle is a symbol for us in our victory over sin. We haven't won the victory over sin, but Jesus Christ has won that victory over sin. And it is for us to rally beneath the cross as the banner that has been raised for us, lifting our hands, fighting that fight with a clear conscience. That when we face trials and battles or in this crisis right now, turn to the cross, turn to the victory of Jesus in prayer. Gather together to seek the presence of God. I love that this evening. And just the songs of worship, it's wonderful to gather around and praise him. You know, the, uh, as soon as this coronavirus hit, hit, hit us and the first week at home, I've been studying Psalm 27. And David is surrounded there by enemies. And we see him rally towards God as, as his banner. And he's surrounded by enemies and much is happening. And he uses the word fear three times in the first three verses. But when he prays in verse 4, he says, One thing I have asked, this is what I seek, to be in your presence, Lord, forever. And you would think after mentioning fear and having all these enemies around, he's praying for safety. That's my prayer. I prayed for safety the first week, very much so. 
I had to come to a place to say, by God, I'm in your hands. Let my prayer be that I might be in your house forever, that your presence is with me over these days. And the question tonight is this, what is that one thing for you and me? What is the one thing that shapes the direction of your life at this moment in time? To what or to whom are you rallying at the moment? And can I say this? That might not be the presence of God. Don't immediately assume that for every Christian, the, the straight answer is the presence of God, because it can't, sometimes it isn't the presence of God. And it, I think this is a time to be honest and to ask God, what am I rallying towards, Lord? Help me, please, to understand what I'm doing with my life. Ask yourself some questions. Try to answer them honestly. And I found I'm struggling at times to answer them honestly, but God wants that. He, he knows our hearts. And the thing is, is, is this time, this coronavirus time, this time of being self-isolating, is it instrumental in us growing thirsty and more hungry for God? Is your faith and my faith growing? Am I trusting more in this sovereignty in these days? And we have to realize this, that that one thing never is one thing. That one thing is the most important one in our lives in this time of crisis. Because that one thing will set the course in our thinking. It will determine where we walk and how we walk. Are we walking according to the Spirit of God? What are the voices that have got the biggest say in our lives? Which voices have the most influence? Is it the media? Is it all the statistics? What is the biggest voice? And for Moses and Joshua and God's people, it was, was in a war against the Amalekites. And for you and us and me, it'll be, might, might, might be the battle of the spirit against the flesh. And what David is doing in the Psalms, he's helping his hearts towards the presence of God. He's not giving in to fear or what might happen. He is very real about fear. He's very honest. And come to a place of honesty. Get informed these days, but don't get overwhelmed these days. Turn your heart towards the presence of God. And then shortly about John 3, we read in John 3, as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You know, it was a time that the people of God were still traveling around in the desert at that time, and they became impatient. They were speaking against Moses, they were speaking against God, and they were complaining all the time. And then poisonous snakes came in the camp and killed many of them, it says. And the people realized what they had done and they said, they pleaded to, to Moses, said, please intercede for us before God. And he did. And God said, this make a fiery serpent of bronze and put it on a large pole. That everyone who sees this snake on the pole, he looks outside, sees the snake. If he's bitten, he'll be healed instantly. And if you would just take a moment to think about this, it's kind of a strange solution, isn't it? It wasn't Moses killing snakes because he found a method and God said, that's the method, touched him, and then this is it. Or they were not creating kind of salve to rub in the wounds and then heal the wounds. God wasn't saying, these kind of herbs in the desert will do it for you. Why making a bronze snake? 
why making an image of the very thing that actually killed them? I think it was because God wanted to show us something. That when we look at the cross and we look at Jesus' death, we are looking at a sinless Savior who died for our sinful lives on that cross. As it were, we are staring sin in the face when we look at the cross. And at the same time, we look at victory over all sin. And the Israelites could not invent the salve or, or herbs or anything else because God said, you can't make up the remedy for this. You can't make it. There is no, no human remedy. It needs divine intervention. Only God can do this. And all of us, as human beings, we have bitten by the serpent of sin. But the good news today is that Jesus Christ died for sinners. He has been lifted high. He is our rallying point. Don't turn to other uh, rallying points. They won't do it. Turn to Jesus. Run to him. He is Jehovah Nissi. We rally towards him. We look to him. And Jesus has been lifted up, not only in his crucifixion, but also he's been exalted far above. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And for the Israelites in the desert, their cure came by looking, by believing and obeying. As soon as they were bitten, look to the bronze serpent and you will be healed. For you and me, it comes by simply believing trusting God and obeying his word. Even if we don't fully understand it, it is by accepting this truth. You cannot earn this. You can't do it yourself. You and I do need Jesus. So let's gather and rally towards Jehovah Nissi in these times of crisis. There might not yet be a cure for this virus going around, not a vaccine at the moment. But the biggest poison that has affected humanity is our sin. And praise God, there's a cure for that one. You don't have to die because of it. Jesus came to save you and give you eternal life, freed from sin. If only you would come to him and believe. Let him be our Jehovah Nissi, our rallying point in this season. Run to him and look to him. Amen. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you've been lifted high, that you are our Jehovah Nissi, that we can gather together and know, Lord, that under your banner we are safe indeed. You've taken the sting of death away. You have caused sin to no longer cripple us, Lord, but you've defeated it on the cross, Lord. You took it and you nailed it. And now I pray, Lord, that all of us will find you to be faithful, Lord. Will you come and meet us where we are, Lord? Lord, you're a wonderful and faithful God in these days. We'll look to you, Lord. You'll be our one thing that we look towards, the only one that can actually do what we need and have done what we needed, Lord. You're a wonderful God. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.